0: You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Yurasimos.
1: Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Episode 65 of Here for the Truth podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we have an absolutely amazing guest, as always, Chris Shelton, who has had an incredible life journey and a journey of self-healing and self-empowerment as well. Um, and this is one that you're going to want to hang around for. We go deep into the power of Qigong and what is it and how we can all implement this into our lives in a really profound way. As always, guys, all our full-length episodes are available at hereforthetruth.com. You can grab our ebook, 55 Signs of Low Self-Esteem for Truth Seekers. You can download that um, either from the website or from growyourselfesteem.com as well. We're having a great time in our eight-week group coaching program, Rise Above the Herd, with our participants. Shout out to you guys doing deep work. Thank you so much for, for being here with the journey with us. Um, doors will open for Rise Above the Herd again in May, if anyone's interested in that. And our Telegram community is, is the place to be to connect with us right now. Um, the, the link to our Telegram community will be in our show notes. Um, or if you're on Telegram, it's just at are you here for the truth? You can find us there. Guys, without further ado, we'll bring on Chris now. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Chris Shelton is in the house with us today. Chris has dedicated his life to helping people relieve pain, reduce stress, and access higher levels of well-being. His motto is, if I can do it, you can too. Over 30 years ago, Qigong, an ancient holistic health modality that combines traditional Chinese medicine with movement, breath, and visualization saved his life. Chris's belief in the healing powers of Qigong is rooted in first-hand experience. Growing up in a dysfunctional home as a teenager, he suffered a devastating back injury, which seemed like a tragedy at the time, but turned out to be a blessing because this is what brought him to Qigong. In a 10-year period, he went from not being able to walk to a martial arts champion to a renowned healer. Chris works with people who are ready to be empowered, reclaim their health, and enjoy life free from chronic pain. Chris works with all types of people, from Special Olympics and professional athletes to celebrities and everything in between, all looking for deeper meaning in their lives. Chris's work has appeared in newspapers and magazines and has been featured on radio and television. He's the founder of the Morning Crane Healing Arts Center in San Jose and Los Angeles, California, and the author of the book Qigong for Self Refinement, and the co founder of the Qi Club and Qigong Qi Gong Teacher Training. Chris, thank you so much for being here for the truth, man.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for saying Qigong right, because uh, so many people will call and they'll say, yeah, I'm inquiring about that Qigong class. Yeah. And uh, who, who's Qigong and where'd she go? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it.
1: No worries, man. I'm a very inconsistent, basic, um, I guess, Qigong, whatever you want to call it, myself. Um, so yeah, I've, one thing I've learned is, Perhaps how to say it correctly, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing, amazing.
1: Chris, to kick this one off, I'd really just want to dive into your, your backstory, your hero's journey. Obviously, you touched on it in the, in the in the biography there, man. But can you can you give us it from from your perspective, please?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in a dysfunctional home, and uh, there's mostly neglect, uh, some amount of abuse, and uh, you know, I started doing drugs probably by age twelve. And started off with Speedballs, uh, which is heroin and coke. And then, um, but I was always very driven and motivated. Uh, my older half-brother was in trouble with the law a lot. And uh, so he'd go to juvie, and, you know, they send him to the boys' ranch. He'd escape from the boys' ranch. they send him to CYA. So uh, I knew how to stay uh, one step ahead of the law at the time. Um, but, um, but I was driven. I knew I did not want, the, there's something that I wanted more. Uh, even though I was using drugs, obviously, to uh, medicate or numb myself from my reality, uh, um, you know, I, I still I still, you know, got my uh, Class A state brake license, my license for overhauling engines. I started becoming a, a butcher at age 15 and a half. I did my AP studies in art. Uh, but by age 18, my senior year in high school, uh, I had my first heart attack from a meth overdose. And um, I had other health problems as well, too. I had severe digestive issues uh, to where if I ate like, uh, an avocado or any kind of fat whatsoever, I was in a fetal position an hour later or vomiting in the middle of the night. And I had all kinds of tests done upper GI, lower GI, and nobody could really figure out what was wrong with me. And so what happened was, was that, uh, I lived on all kinds of medications and, uh, and over the counter medications as well, too. I also had uh, severe sinusitis, I had severe allergies, I had OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And uh, so, you know, so besides having a heart attack, I had other issues as well, too. So the doctor overheard the doctor say to my father outside the curtain in the emergency room that um, that I should have died. Uh, But it was only because of my age that uh, that I survived this one. And I got a hold of some bad stuff. Well, you know, being 18 years old, I told Told, said to myself, "Well, I've gotten hold of some bunk stuff before, but nothing that's ever done this to me before, right?" So I used again a few months later. Had another heart attack. This one less severe, but I was so ashamed of myself over what had happened before that I was willing to die that day. So I didn't call nine one one. And then fast forward, what had happened was was that now I realized, like, oh shoot, like I'm going to end up dead in prison or both, and. Uh, I didn't know how to deal with life sober, and when uh, I was used to numbing myself. And so my mom walked in on me one, one night with a 22 rifle underneath my chin. I was going to kill myself. Got me into therapy, and I realized at that point in time, like, well, I'm going to end up dead in prison or both. And so I put myself into Taekwondo as a means to change my path. And then I started competing right away and uh, in full contact uh, competition and um one night before match i was training and I accidentally kicked in the back it caught me the right way and uh dropped me to the mat and uh when they took me into this see this doctor uh the, they said that you know chris if you're not careful you might not walk or things you take for granted you might not have sex again so they're pushing for surgery and those kinds of things and uh yeah uh, so they led me to the cell physician who's a friend of my mom's and um she had a therapist working for her at the time, and he was a martial artist. And now I'm I think I'm about 20 years old, and he starts talking to me about chi, and I'm like, yeah, right. The closest thing that I get to chi is like cheese zits and cheese whiz because there's no such thing. No such thing as chi, and uh, and so I had nothing else to lose. I I started taking these qigong classes, and this was over 30 years ago, and nobody was talking about qigong back then, especially not that many people in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, after about six months of taking these classes, and there's only a couple of other people in the class, uh, you know, there's all of a sudden the realization of when, when did I stop living on the antibiotics? When did I stopped living on the Pseudofed and the Actifed and the Tums. I, you know, I couldn't tell you the exact pinpoint date of the transformation, but there's all of a sudden the realization I thought, man, if a simple movement and specific meditation could do this to my body there must be something to the medicine. So then that's when I started studying Chinese medicine.
2: Hmm. Awesome. Can you talk talk a little bit more about like Qigong and what it is and where it comes from and uh, what it entails?
0: What it entails. Okay, so there's different schools of Qigong. Qi uh, is the life force energy that emanates through all things. And Gong is the skill in which we harness this life force energy. And in this case, to benefit the human organism, Now, like I said, there are different styles of Qigong. There's three schools. There's the medical school, which is the type of uh, medicine that I practice in clinic, but also self-regulatory style of Qigong practices where a student can start learning these practices to improve their health. There's the uh, martial arts school. So any style of internal martial arts, and that would include uh, uh, traditional Chen, Taiji, Chuan, uh, Xing Yi, Bagua, each one uh, these are all internal styles of martial arts um, and then there's the spiritual school and the spiritual school qigong is not necessarily like an ism or, or religion necessarily but it's understanding that you are responsible for your life journey and to cultivate this qi so when people talk about getting closer to god or to the dao whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. that happens when you refine yourself and they call it internal alchemy this eternal alchemy happens by doing practices of qigong so not only will it harmonize your internal organs in your mental emotional state and physical state but regardless of what religious or spiritual belief structure that you have you can't help but to grow that way as well too and the way that i compare it to is like a guitar string you place a uh, put a brand new guitar string on a guitar you pluck it and that vibration is very coarse you can see the vibration as you tune the guitar string It's still vibrating, but it's vibrating at such a high frequency, you can't see it. That's the human's journey. So this would be considered the spiritual school, is when you understand that you um, are responsible to be able to resonate and cultivate yourself at a higher vibration. And then when they say to communicate with God or whatnot, to me, what that means is that you develop this knowingness because you've been able to quiet the mind enough to hear the messages. Wow. So when you talk about the style Qigong that I teach, it's on, based upon the five elements school. And these five elements describes uh, n- a number of things throughout the multi-universe. It describes the five seasons, the five flavors, uh, the five colors. And in this case here, we're talking about the five organs and the five major uh, emotions. And so the style that we teach is meant to give people the tools to deal with their mental, emotional trauma. So going back to the story, the old story that I began with, those digestive issues in hindsight was my old anger issues from living in a a hostile home. I repressed all that stuff because a lot of people don't realize that like anger, for example, and resentment and rage uh, or frustration actually attacks your liver and your gallbladder and shows up as various types of diseases. So the style of Qigong that we teach is meant to give people uh, the tools necessary to not only deal with day-to-day stress and trauma, but also past stress and trauma that shows up as inflammation and disease. And in the process of this, then what happens is, is that you actually become your own superior doctor. What does that mean? You become so aware of your body, your internal organism, that you can prevent disease before disease, that's it, because you're so now in tune with your internal organism.
1: Well said. Hmm. So, what is what is the power of chi at work? What is the what is what is the what is the healing properties? How can someone begin to understand and I guess cultivate chi in, in their life on a, in in a basic way and in a basic level?
0: So, first and foremost, everything that's in our environment is an expression of chi or matter. This water bottle, the chair that I'm sitting on, right? It has a level of consciousness, and if it did not, its uh, particles would dissolve into nothingness, right? So. Everything is an expression of qi in a grosser or denser state. And so very simple practices that I recommend to people that they say, especially for people that say, well, I don't know what qi is. Well, first and foremost, blood is your qi. We have a saying in Chinese medicine that the blood contains the qi and the qi moves the blood around the body. It's like yin and yang. They're not inseparable. You can't separate the two. And so... When I'm teaching these classes, if I'm giving talks to trauma nurses and doctors on disease prevention, um, I can't come at it from a woo-woo point of view, right? I have to be very grounded in my approach. I have to come at it more scientifically. And everybody can understand that if your blood is strong, you have vitality. If your blood is weak, you are deficient. Don't want to get out of bed. Don't want to talk that much. Have weak vitality, weak energy, right? So to understand this concept of chi, just think of it in terms of blood. Hmm. or fluids inside your body, because without it, we would cease to exist in this format. Um, so the energy that manifests through all things um, is always in a constant flux. Nothing in the universe is ever at a static state of 50, 50. It's impossible. And you could try this out for yourself. If you were to stand with your feet out, shoulders width apart and close your eyes, you'd feel your body gently shifting back and forth, because what is it trying to do? It's trying to find homeostasis, is trying to find that balance. And so what Qigong allows a person to do is to find that balance within themselves. And then we could take it always a step further. Well, we could always look at nutrition, not just nutrition from a calorie or a nutrient standpoint, but what are the energetic properties of the different foods that we eat, right? Because this also Will benefit the organism or harm the organism depending on the person's constitutional typology. We could then take a look at energy as far as placement of things, which is referred to as feng shui. Now feng shui uh is not meant as a cure all and, and anybody that believes that it's going to fix everything in your life, it's not going to. It's probably only about you know 10% maybe, but still 10% is still pretty significant. And so when we look at the proper placement of things, then energetically, is there a flow or are we creating a blockage? Same thing inside the body. Do we have flow or do we have blockages in our relationship? Is there flow or is there blockages? Because mm-hmm. even relationships is an expression of energy. There's an energy exchange that always happens. So everything is an expression of chi, of energy and, um, and, And scientifically, you can prove it. I mean, the heart cannot beat without energy inside the body. The stomach cannot digest. The kidneys cannot secrete and excrete without this energy or this life force within within all of us. And, you know, and when we go into nature, for example, you know, when you look at the plants and the flowers and especially the flowers that capture your eyes, you know, well, number one, first and foremost, that's God expressing itself in its natural state number two um you're witnessing energy at, it, at its highest level right so everything is a vibration everything you know everything flows and when there's a blockage um, then it creates uh disharmony and discord and you know and then when we talk about according to the body the human organism shows up as disease mm-hmm. so i hope i don't answer your question
2: <laughs> yeah no definitely for sure um can you talk a little bit about like the nervous system in relationship to qi?
0: Sure. So, you know, we have our uh, uh, sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight. We have our uh, parasympathetic nervous system, right? Um, uh, and um, according to Chinese medicine, for example, especially right now with what's gone on over the last couple of years, what we're seeing is we're seeing a heightened state of the sympathetic nervous system uh, being triggered. And and Chinese medicine, yes, the brain function is and and um, is definitely the contributing factor to the sympathetic nervous system. But according according to Chinese medicine, the liver also plays a huge function as well too. So I'll give you an example. You know, of all the diseases that I see, back issues are number one. Mm -hmm. In fact, my second book that's going to be released probably around September this year is on how to fix back problems yourself from the cervical spine all the way down to the lower lumbar. And patient, clients were flying me around the country to see, you know, to see patients. And um, I was flying back from Skokie, Illinois, and I've seen these young basketball players that had a chance to play for the NBA and doctors were diagnosing them with lumbar stenosis and saying that you never play ball again. And I'll get them up and running and jumping within 15 minutes. And flying back from Skokie one time from, from Illinois, I, I was pondering to myself, why is this? Why, you know, back in the 70s when I was a kid, the only people that had back problems were couch potatoes of people that were obese. Nowadays, it does not discriminate against whether you're obese, um, you sit all day. I mean, obviously, those will contribute more to that, but, or you're a professional athlete um, or you exercise all the time. It doesn't discriminate. And I finally realized, oh, shoot. Well, that sympathetic nervous system nowadays is being triggered all the time. When God developed our bodies, that sympathetic nervous system was meant and designed to get us out of trouble. For example, if you're being chased by a bear, or if your house was on fire, right? So <clears throat> what would happen is is that they would take the food, say if you're digesting food and say, all right, we're going to stop digesting right now, and we're going to transfer you know the the blood to the lungs, to the legs to the brain and, uh, and to the extremities so we can get out of there, right? Or if your house was on fire, same thing, how can I get out of there? But nowadays, it doesn't know the difference between being chased by a bear, your house being on fire, or running late for an appointment, or being afraid that you're going to catch some kind of virus, or uh, being laid off of your job. So nowadays, it does not. it's being triggered all the time. And going back to some of these young basketball players, I think what is happening was, is that it's not only the societal stress, but it was also the stress of trying to get the scholarships, right? Trying to get into the right schools that they wanted to get into, right? It was was a number of things. And so uh, unfortunately nowadays that uh, when we look at our nervous system uh, being overactive, it's because of the amount of stress. And then now you add in, social media, you add in, you know, uh, uh, not being unplugged from, from your, you know, devices and it further compounds, uh, what, uh, the body is going through.
2: Yeah. It just seems like the back, I, I don't, for some reason, while you were talking about the image of like, I think the mythological, f- uh, figure was Atlas, like holding the world on their back. And I just feel like people have so much more. Burdens that they're carrying, you know, because of everything you just said, and so I don't know. That's just that's just what came up for me in that regards.
0: Yeah, and so when we look at the back, so when I see patients, so we have a very high success rate of of helping people with all types of back disorders. Um, and when we look when we look at the lower lumbar, at least um, anatomically, we're going to look at our, the psoas muscle. Right? because that psoas goes from the lower lumbar to, to your thoracic spine. But also, too, I'm going to treat the gallbladder acupuncture meridian because that gallbladder meridian runs through the groin and contributes into the functioning or dysfunctioning of that psoas. And so that psoas muscle, you know, when it gets tight, uh, normally due to stress, then both, both sides are, are going to be tight but the spine is, is held up by the psoas muscle. And so whatever side is tighter is then going to squeeze the vertebra, which is going to scre- compress the disc, which then is going to impinge the nerve coming out of the spinal canal. And depending on what area of the spine is affected, then you're gonna have things like drop leg syndrome or lumbar stenosis or sciatica, right? And, but what we noticed is, is that, um, is that uh, the stress Get stuck here. In fact, that muscle, that psoas muscle, is a deep muscle. It's about the size of your fist and attaches on the inner part of that femur there and it wraps around the back. And like I said, it goes from the lumbar all the way to the thoracic spine. This is the muscle that if somebody was beating or attacking you, allows you to curl up into a ball right away. Why is that? Because you have to protect the delicate organs. You don't do a back bend if if you're in danger, right? You curl up into a ball. Hence the reason why would a lot of people have lower back issues. They'll walk hunched over. Yes, their back hurts or their SI joint hurts, but it's because this starting psoas is so tight. Another part of the spine, talk about stress-related. During during this whole uh, thing that was going on over here the last couple of years, we saw a lot of cervical issues in, cer- in the cervical uh, spine. And uh, all neck injuries, unless you're doing jiu-jitsu, neck and shoulder injuries, unless you're doing jiu-jitsu and someone pops your shoulder out, um, I don't know, you're a pitcher, you pop your shoulder out. Every single one comes back then to emotions that affect the heart. Every single every single case. Mm. And I'll give you an example of a case study. Um, uh, the guitarist from Nickelback, um, Mike Kroger, and, um, he did a testimonial for me on YouTube uh, several years ago. And uh, he was supposed to go in for neck surgery and he... Uh, uh, some of our friends from the TV show, celebrity sweat had recommended that, uh, he come in and see me. So he flew to my office in San Jose. And so I said to him, I said, all right, you know, what was going on three years ago? Cause you could actually see the cervical arthritis in the x-rays. Right. And, um, I said, well, what was going on three years ago in your life? And he says what everybody else says, right. He goes, up first, yeah, I think maybe my mattress was bad or my pillow was bad. You know, um, he goes, No, nah, I think maybe the stress of being on tour or, uh, Or actually the way I hold my guitar on on stage, you know? And then he paused and he thought about it. And he said, well, you know what? Actually, Chris, two weeks before this showed up, my horse died. So guess what? His horse died, took care of business, like we all would, all have to do. Went back on tour. And then one day his body said, all right, you can pretend like that didn't hurt you, but it did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that's where the Qigong comes in. That's where Qigong comes in. And he's funny. He said that I got rid of his arthritis in 30 minutes. And on this interview, but um, no, all I did was I facilitated his body to do what it wanted to do, which was to heal itself. That's all I did. Incredible, man! It's like, what, what is that process? Well, what is the process? So, let's say if I'm looking at a cervical issue like that, uh, there's all the acupuncture channels and vessels that are on the hands that run either start in the face or the chest that go down the hands and the arms directly or indirectly connect to the heart. Your heart is the emperor of your body or empress. It dictates how much of emotion is going to be expressed or suppressed. So the heart is affected, affected by all the emotions. The particular emotions would be over too much joy, abandonment, loneliness, those kinds of things. But the heart also is interconnected very closely with the lungs. And so the lungs are affected by grief, sadness, sorrow, loss, shame, and guilt. The lungs also work with the large intestine meridian. The heart also works with the small intestine meridian, which also, like I said, come down into the hands. We have another organ called the pericardium. The pericardium is the protective sac that protects our heart. And actually, in my world of medicine, it takes the uh, attacks of any pernicious influences first before affecting the heart. The pericardium is connected to Uh, it's not an organ in Chinese medicine, but it's a function called the triple burner, which basically, if you think of of the visceral cavity where all these organs sit, it's like an energetic network that allows all these organs to communicate with each other properly because they don't work independently. So anyway, so when I have a patient come in, one of the first things that we do is, well, first of all, I try to get to the root of what could that emotional trauma be? And it can be something as simple as, I don't know the dog ran away you got in a fight with your spouse or significant other you know um uh your boss you know you had a disagreement with a co-worker or something like that suppressed it or something you saw on the news and it upset you right um so we try to get to the bottom of it uh then what happens is is that if uh w- one of the ways that i could actually diagnose or assess uh, besides taking the pulse besides looking at the tongue is i could read a person's face so Every feature on your face tells me a story of how you think, your personality, um, what emotional traumas are still stuck in your body, and more importantly, what diseases are potentially stuck in your body, right? So if I don't- All, right, all right, deep- real
2: quick, real quick, Chris, Joel, what's going on with Joel? Let's, let's figure him out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like,
0: <laughs> no, keep going with your story. I just had to- well, I was going to go there anyway.
1: <laughs> I know, dude, I beat
0: you to it. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's um, you know it's really funny because uh, 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 just a little side digression since you said that. So I had to give a talk to trauma nurses and doctors from three major hospitals in the Bay Area, which was uh, Kaiser, uh, Valley Medical, and um, oh, there's one more hospital. But anyways, so obviously the the keynote speaker before me was the top brain surgeon from Stanford, talking about brain traumas and hematomas, and I. How am I going to compare it to this guy, right? I'm supposed to be going up there talking about uh, lines and features that we see on the face that now in Western medicine, they're starting to agree. Oh, that means hypertension or that means potential for diabetes or whatnot, right? So anyway, so sure enough, I had some pretty hardcore critics in the in the audience when I got up there. But uh, finally, what happened was to seal up my talk, they called up a couple uh, trauma nurses And uh, at the end of the talk, one of the trauma nurses came up and she punched me in the shoulder. She goes, Chris, you have to have a filter on your mouth, man. And what had happened was, was that they called up the one nurse. And I was just being very sincere. I said, I was looking, I said, well, you're very, you're a very giving person. Hence the reason why you work in the ICU. Um, You know, but I said, you're awfully cruel to your husband. And the whole crowd just like lit up. (laughs) And she goes, well, and I said, well. I said, not so much um, in public, but behind closed doors, you know? And so anyways. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, and so in clinic, when I have a cervical issue like this, we, you know, if I don't, if they're not giving me the answers, then I'll start reading the face, right? And my job is not to force feed them that they still have this emotional trauma or something going on. My job is is to present them with the idea that there's still something there mm-hmm. and you can acknowledge it or not. Um, it does nothing for me if you don't acknowledge it, but your body will pay the price for it. And then what we do is, is that we hit points on the large intestine channel. First, I do large intestine, uh, 18 first, and then I move down to 17 and I have them turn their neck, uh, full range of motion. Now, if they have any kind of cervical issues, these points will hurt. In fact, when they look into the the press, that's more painful. And then we do both sides, regardless of what side the numbness or the uh, frozen shoulder issue is or the cervical issue is. We do both sides just to try to create balance because sometimes the affected side isn't the root. It's the opposite side, okay? And so then from there, but also what I do to make them be, to have them be a participant in their own healing is I as I'm pressing here and having them do this, I don't want them to just breathe through it I give them the heart healing sound. And what I tell them to do is I tell them to inhale. Imagine a pink cloud filling up into the heart. And then as they're exhaling, making the ha sound. Or they could do it audibly. So now they're making it into a mindful thing, right? And then I suggest, okay, if there's anything, you know, let's say we do discover, okay, well, my horse died or... Um, This is from trauma as a kid or whatever. Um, Then we focus on that. So then as we're making the ha sound, you imagine that circumstance leaving like a dark cloud, going away from the body. Guess what? The pathology then leaves the body. So we have organ pathology, and then we have channel pathology. What I'm talking about here is channel pathology. And by doing this, it actually will clear out the channel pathology. So what happens when someone develops cervical arthritis or cervical stenosis or what? Uh, whatnot Um, it normally starts off as a channel pathology first and because now there's a deficiency there's a blockage now the the nervous it can't is the uh, there's a limitation and maybe a fluid uh uh, nerve function and the longer this goes on the more deterioration that there is until eventually it shows up as something that you could actually see on an x-ray and you'll see like the x-ray of the You know the compression of the 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 cervical spine or whatnot and um and that happens as a result again as long as it wasn't due to some kind of injury but i'll give you another example let's say somebody has a car accident and then two weeks later they develop frozen neck or shoulder issues some people will say well it's because their nervous system finally they got out of that shock mode and this is why it came up but in my world no um if it showed up two weeks later, it's because emotionally now that car accident is now affecting them. So, yeah, so this is how we would uh, deal with it claim, clinic. And then we would do other things, maybe like wash uh, or cupping um, mm-hmm. in order to move the pathology out. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and then it, it, it seems like magic, but it's really not.
2: Well, that was my next question. I was going to say, like when people talk about like miraculous healings. You know, just just having something resolved within the body or allow yourself to to express an emotion that has been stuck, that hasn't moved, and then you allow yourself to do that. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're like, my pain's gone. Well, that thing that's been bothering me is not bothering me anymore. It's been bothering me for six months. You know what I mean? It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really amazing uh, because we're emotional beings. And, you know, let's just go back to anger, for example. Anger has gotten a bad rap. that anger is actually a good emotion. You know, that that anger is there because it's for you to fight for the underdog to get out of a bad situation or to create positive uh, change in the world. That's what that anger is meant for. But if you're going home and kicking the dog, uh, having road rage, um, drinking too much or, you know, or or whatnot, um, now that anger is no longer serving you, right? But these emotions are meant, they tell us what our environment is. I have this new patient that they flew in from Arizona. And uh, he, he's been sick now for, with all kinds of autoimmune uh, issues. And, uh, and it didn't make sense because he started off very, he was very fit and healthy and all of a sudden started having heart issues. So, um, and so like I was talking to him last night, he said, well, I was very driven. I was eating right, I was showing up to the gym two hours every day, you know, I was bound to get my body to the certain place. I said, okay, you have that drive. That's great, but emotionally, what was going on in your life? Because for you to all of a sudden, a healthy human being, a healthy organism, all of a sudden to have these irregular heart rhythm or decrease in heart rate, uh, uh, there was something else going on that you weren't acknowledging. And we see it all the time, where somebody is physically fit, mm-hmm. eating right, and stuff like that, but still dying of chronic artery disease. You know. So, so yeah, so it's, um, it's, um, I do believe in spontaneous healing. I do uh, believe in group prayer and laying of hands. I believe in all that stuff because it's your intent, your intent that you put out there. Um, but what's really cool about Qigong is that it empowers you to be the best version of yourself, right? It empowers you if you have some kind of autoimmune disease to transform it. And the cool thing is, is that you don't have to believe in it. Obviously, belief in something always uh, supports what it is that you're doing. But what I recommend to people is, no, just try it. Try and see what happens. You know, give it a month and see what happens. Do the practices every day and see what happens. And um, you'll start to see these transformations happen, you know, inside the body.
2: Yeah, it's pretty incredible um, uh, when you think about it. And I love what you said about personal responsibility and it empowers you. It's like, you have the practice you have to wake up or before you go to bed or whatever time you're doing it, you have to do it. It's not just, Oh, let me just show up to your office, do a few things to me, which is great. Of course it's important, but to be able to take the knowledge and to take these practices and to do them every day is, is, is something that, you know, no one can take that away from you. You have, you have that, you have the power. And I think it's uh, I think that's where it starts for sure. Um, You know, something I wanted to bring up because, you know, I hear about it from so many people, and uh, something that I've I've navigated since I've moved to Los Angeles. I've been here for nine nine years. Uh, headaches, mm. you know, I feel like headaches are such a big thing, and then different people have different reasons for them. They're like, well, you're not drinking enough water, or whatever the case may be. So, I'm curious from a a, a TCM uh, standpoint and uh, your standpoint, like, what do you think is the cause of headaches? And I know there are probably different kinds,
0: um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the root of the headaches, and it doesn't matter what kind that, or migraines or ocular migraines or whatever, you're seeing light comes back to your liver being out of balance. Mm. And so I talked, so yes, you have to hydrate, make sure that you are getting enough rest and doing all those kinds of things. But uh, uh, if you're having those, my first question is how are you dealing with your anger?
2: Yeah.
0: Because different emotions causes different... Um, Effects uh, inside the body. For example, fear will cause the energy to descend. That's why you hear in a fight or flight circumstance, people will urinate themselves, right? The bladder releases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, worry, it knots the chi. So if you're anxious, you'll feel, in this epigastric region here, you'll feel the energy is stuck. That's because the that worry is now affected your spleen and pancreas and stomach, right? Uh, anger causes the energy to rise. That's why, have you ever heard that saying? Because uh, the, the, okay, the liver has over 800 functions in the body, by the way. And one of the things that it does is it controls the eyes. And if you've ever heard that saying that, oh, um, I was so angry that I saw red, that's true. It's actually a true thing. What's happening is the liver blood is actually rising up and hitting the collateral channels and the person sees red. It's a true thing. So if somebody is getting angry then what's, and they're hydrating and eating right and stuff. Um, then we have to look at, okay, how's the resentment? How's the old anger? Because um, it's affecting you, you know? And if you're having eye issues too, so if you're affected by bright lights that causes the headaches, or you're affected by loud sounds, which means that your nervous system is on heightened alert, we still have to come back to this liver. And we're not talking about a detoxing because then people say, okay, well, I'm going to do a liver detox. Oh, sure, you can do a liver detox, but let's do an emotional detox on your liver first. And maybe what we could do to support it is we could start off every morning with four, ounce, four ounces of hot water and a whole organic line and maybe a teaspoon of coconut oil inside, inside that and drink it down on an empty stomach. That will help to f- support liver health and aid in digestion. But let's do an emotional detox. Let's be honest about that. Let's, as they say in the 12-step program, let's do an inventory on your resentments. Let's do an inventory on what's going on and be brutally honest with yourself as to uh, what those resentments are. But every single migraine or headache, and no matter what kind it is, where I mean, I've seen some severe cases. And it's not only that, but then we have other things of the nerve. We have uh, the suicide disease, which is uh, uh, trigenital facial neuralgia, for example, where the nerves in the face seize up and there's no cure in Western medicine. And it seizes up like that because this liver is so out of bounds. You know, uh, TMJ. You know, when people grind their teeth, um, same thing. Because your liver controls also your tendons, ligaments, and sinews. So think about it. If the liver emotion is anger and frustration, are you in fight or flight? Chances so are you're in fight. What happens when you go to fight? You make a fist. Things contract. Things contract to get ready for battle, right? So if you have this repressed anger and resentment or old anger, then what happens is, is that, the ligaments contract, so the person then grinds their teeth because now, uh, uh, um, you know, the mastoid, uh, you know, starts pulling, and that's what triggers it. So we see patients in clinic for that, for example. Then we will do some gentle cranial sacral work, but then we go after the liver.
2: Yeah, I just, I'm fascinated by it too, and and even based on what you were saying, I would think people who have vision issues they're losing their eyesight, maybe prematurely. I feel like, you know, maybe there's a history of repressed anger there as well.
0: Is that? Yes, uh, true. And um, floaters, uh, floaters in the eyes. And I know some practitioners will say, well, it's a yeast issue. Um, No, you clear up. Those floaters are representing the stagnation in in your liver itself. That's what those floaters are. Or flowery vision uh, is another condition too when there's too much toxicity in the liver. and uh, you know, because we'll we'll see it so much, where somebody is really healthy, but it still has their liver enzymes are high. and They have fatty liver disease, you know, and they don't drink or they don't eat. You know, they eat healthy, right? And so, and and going on this liver too, since we're on the subject, when that anger is held for a long period of time and turns inward, guess what? It turns into depression. Mm. So cl- clinically, when we see people with anxiety disorders or depressive disorders, um, we don't treat this. What we do is we go after the liver, which affects the heart, which then affects the mind, right? So it's a different, different way of looking at the body because, yes, the heart governs blood, but the liver is a controller of blood. So your energy throughout the day is based upon how well that energy or that blood is moving through the liver itself, right? So think about it. If there's a stasis or stagnation of liver blood, from it could be poor diet combination could be poor diet, or just, you know, just um, having just this repressed anger for a long period of time, it'll create a stagnation. So there's a stasis of blood in the liver, the heart doesn't get the nourishment that it needs. And then the mind suffers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mind suffers
2: something I wanted to talk about, uh, because it kind of relates back to what you said before about having a client who like works out all the time and eats healthy and does all these things, and yet, you know, has these health issues. And then you hear about these, you know, sometimes individuals live to be over 100 years old, and they're just kind of like living their life, they're doing their thing. So I'm curious your thought on that. Like, I know there are people that say, like, well, you know, you're eating a lot of these, like, blue zone areas in the world. They're they're eating local foods. They're not surrounded by as many electromagnetic frequencies. But I think a big piece of it is we've gotten so much more isolated in the Western world. And so when you think about us being emotional beings, like when you think of older times and when people went through things, they I they feel like they had support. They're able to express more and release more. And I think something it's something we're, we're losing as we become more isolated with our devices. We're not spending time in nature. We're not we're not spending time in community plus we're, we're being instilled with all this fear that like, Oh, if you're going to be around someone, you're going to, you're going to get sick, you know, all this. And it's just like, it's kind of wild to think about.
0: Yeah. I, um, I kind of, uh, sum it up as a social experiment to see how we're going to come out of this. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole I could go with this subject, but, um, You're welcome uh, to the, all the way if you want. We do, oh, I can. We do all the rabbit holes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're seeing it. I'm seeing uh, uh, elementary school teachers uh, that uh, they're trying to teach these young kids speech. Um, and they the kids are not getting it because the teacher has a mask on, you know, um, the the idea that a kid has to be if he's not vaccinated has to go play by himself and be punished. I mean, the social norms have gone out the window. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm I'm a father of four kids my oldest is, is, is just turned 29 and, uh, I'm sorry, but, um, and I'm not anti-vax vaccines. You know, there's certain things. I was a butcher for 21 years and as a butcher, you cut yourself. And, um, um uh, and if I cut myself severely, I'm going in for a tetanus shot because I don't want to get locked jaw. I don't want to have the side effects of it, but You know, when you have something like this where it has not been tested, where there's known proof for a cure, there's known proof that there are answers out there, even if we're not talking about Chinese herbology and pharmacology. Um, And, you know, you just really have to ask yourself the common sense question. Why can't you talk about these things on a public platform? Common sense. And natural immunity, uh, Fauci has said it. Uh, years ago that uh if you got the flu that's your natural immunity you don't need to go get a flu shot all that stuff has been erased and for parents that are pushing for their kids to get it how dare you how dare you you should be ashamed of yourself because the kids especially and i'll give you an example when i was a kid my mom she was a nut but one of the things that she did was if i got dirty at all she bathed me all the time throw me in the shower throw me in the bathtub and finally, the doctor back then, this is when doctors used to ask questions like, how's your family life? How's your diet? You know, those kinds of things. Anyways, uh, the doctor said to her, what are you doing? Like, the only way he's going to build up an immune system is if he gets dirty. So if you keep on washing him off, he's not going to build this, this immune system. And um, uh, so the same thing with this as well, too. And, and the kids have been proving that, that, they, are, that they do fine with it. their chances of even catching it right um are smaller and when we look at the death now i have to pause a second is it a potentially dangerous um, issue yes it definitely is you can't you can't deny that in chinese medicine we call it a cold damp uh, condition and the dampness is what creates the the horrible lung conditions um but in cold in chinese medicine cold Um, is cold-induced diseases are more deadly than heat-induced diseases. So is it potentially deadly? Yes. But what really uh, um, rubbed me the wrong way is that it's a cruelty against humanity to purposefully close and shut everything down to isolate kids, isolate people, instill fear, allow the media, who we all know is who they're controlled by, allow them to instill the fear. And so many people lost their jobs. So many people relapsed. So many people committed suicide. And for some people, they will not recover from this. So it's a crime against humanity to know that there is an answer out there and and the powers that be chose to keep it from us.
2: Well, yeah, and I I hear you there. And it's just like, there's so many uh, schools of thought on the fact that people have been being censored you know, for, for so long. And there's been so much uh, suppression of, of different ways of thinking is, is, it just blows my mind. It just keeps going and people are cheering for it, but I want to bring back what you said before about the children. Um, and I was actually going to bring this up when you started talking about it. Is I was I'm hearing from people who are speech pathologists, um, friends with speech pathologists. They're saying these, all these four and five year olds that have been masked up since they're two and three years old. They, they're like, they can't even, they can't speak properly they're like drooling they can't articulate words and it's it, it, I, I, like we're going to be feeling this like you said we're going to be feeling this for years and decades and the, the, the amount of the, the impact that this has on on a developing human for especially when you think about age zero, 0 to 7 like all these children they've been masked up they can't they can't get social cues they can't build empathy they can't read facial features you know from their parents you know and i remember that one video that went viral, I think at the beginning of all the, the, the woman who was, who was giving birth and she had a plastic, a plastic like saran wrap in front of her as she was wearing a mask. And then was just pushing the baby that the doctor gave her through the saran wrap, like not even touching her. And I, and I thought it was like, I was living in the middle of a dystopian uh, movie, you know? And, and you think about that, it's like, and my, my wife has done so much research on, on touch. And, um, and it's like, for, for two years, people were afraid of touch. And to me, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a necessity. It's not a luxury, you know, to have right. physical contact. And I think of people who like were fully, let's say, you know, living in that fear based state and being impacted by media and believing the main the mainstream narrative one hundred percent. Who don't even have an animal to touch. Who 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 are just isolated for so so long. You know, I mean, it breaks my freaking heart to think about it.
0: Yeah, it, it you know it really you know I don't I don't get political about things, uh, but this one. Definitely um, it definitely because, it, like I said, it's a cruelty against humanity. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't care about the people suffering. They don't care about the unnecessary deaths that happened. And now the injuries and the deaths and, and the, the fallout from the vaccines, the injuries. And uh, yeah, um, we're creatures of touch. Um, and that's like when a patient comes into clinic, I'm very hands-on with my patient. And what's interesting is is that you bringing up touch. You know, there's a group of scientists in Santa Cruz called HeartMath. And they've proved that um, our heart is the center of our consciousness. And did you know that if you give somebody a sincere hug, both hearts actually, uh, both people actually move a little bit closer together. It's pretty remarkable. So this whole idea of touch and communion and community is necessary. Um, And that's why, you know, that's why uh, what, what is had transpired of no more communion. the church is closed down, right? No more going to the gym, but yet we'll keep the liquor stores open. We'll keep uh, the fast food joints open, right? So there's a mastermind playing, and I have to give them credit, brilliant job, brilliant job of manipulating so many people in such a powerful way and uh, and going back to the mass, you know, they do all these tests that shows. Well, this lab at, at, you know, this is such a hospital uh, is showing that this is what happens when you sneeze. Okay, that's when you sneeze or you cough. But we're talking in a nanoparticle here, right? The, this mask is not even designed to stop. It's an aerosol. It's been proven, scientifically proven. It's an aerosol disease. It's not a contact disease. And it's in less than a nanoparticle. The masks do not work at that level. So it's, it's you know... and. And it's funny, it's become a social norm. In certain parts, like in the Bay Area, I would say that they're more uptight than they are down here. Um, you know, even after they lifted the mandates up there, I still see a lot of people walk around with double masks. And it makes me kind of laugh because they'll wear two different colors. So that way, you know that they're wearing two, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so, it just, is bizarre to me. And so, so, yeah, we did a video at the beginning of this and um, it's on YouTube and called um, Virus Stop. And um, they didn't censor it, but they pushed it down to where it's hard to find. And in that video, I talk about the Qigong practices that will benefit you, uh, what vitamin supplements to take, uh, what herbal remedies to take, depending on the level of the symptoms, um, and then also what foods to eat and what foods are contraindicated and uh, and also what foods are contraindicated based upon symptoms and um uh and the whole idea and i didn't what's funny is i didn't want to give i didn't even mention the word of the virus because i didn't want to give it any any credit right mm-hmm. and it still got shoved down you know quite you know, quite a bit but uh but yeah so that those kinds of things you had know, common sense as well why why would they do that why would they do that and one of my uh affluent clients and um in the Bay Area there, he goes, well, there has to be censorship because what happens if somebody says to inject bleach in your arms? And I say, well, first of all, there has to be a dialogue, right? There has to be a dialogue on that. And you have to have common sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Common sense, right? Is this true or not? But let's have a discussion on the effectiveness of doing that technique. Let's not, not censor it, you know, that's, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about this country. And at the rally yesterday, uh, that's one of the things that they're talking about is let's have a dialogue. Let's, you know, um, if you want to be vaccinated because you feel safer, if you want to stay at home, let that be your choice. But mm-hmm. don't make it a mandate, uh, uh, an illegal mandate uh, across the board. Because just like I tell people with, with, with nutrition, you can't apply the same thing to everybody because we're all like snowflakes. What does that mean? We're all different. So you have to do it according to your constitution and according to what is going on with you. Same thing so, with this.
2: Some, some of them are more snowflake than others. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's, that is for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. And we didn't see many of those at the rally yesterday. That's yeah, for
1: sure. The logical fallacies with the entire narrative is, is endless. We could, you, we could go on forever about that for sure, man. The entire straight is just beyond ridiculous. Um, there's no doubt about that. One th- one thing I wanna I wanna ask you I wanna just bring this back to qi quickly. So as I mentioned at the start, I'm a very inconsistent practicer of of qigong. So when, for example, if you're making a, 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 a qi field or, or whatever it might be, why why sometimes is that feeling more more potent than others? What are what's what's the drivers for that? For example, um, oh. you know, as in the chi that's actually felt between your hands when you decide to commit to a practice for a period of time.
0: Well, that's a really great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question before. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back to your kidneys. So your kidneys are, the, are, your, are your battery for your life. Um, they will dictate how long your life will be. And um, uh, so at the time of conception between God, the, um, your parents, and your environment predetermines this kidney well. Okay? So when you go back to doing a practice like this where you're trying to feel the chi, Depending on the strength, now there's two main organs that play a role in this. One is the strength of the kidneys, which is called your pre-heaven essence, and then our post-heaven essence, which is our stomach. Okay. So there's something called our upright chi. There's different, there's only one chi, right? Mm-hmm. But what's clever about a Chinese medicine is that there's different names of different types of chi based upon its function, mm-hmm. which is so clever. Is this and like so,
2: Jing and Jing, Jing Shen? Yeah,
0: your Jing, your Jing Qi. Yeah, so your Jing, your upright. Qi. Well, your Jing, right? Uh, it, it has to come from, okay, we have our original Qi, but the Jing Qi has to be replenished from our nutritive Qi, also referred to as our Gu Qi. So the food that we put into our stomach. So there's a couple of things. One, how is your diet? Or maybe what did you eat? <clears throat> or what did you eat a couple of days before? Two, how is your sleep? Mm-hmm. Was it a restful night's sleep? Um, Did you exert? Because now your kidneys, like I said, of all the internal organs of the body, the kidneys are the only organ that tends to always be deficient. Now, its counterpart organ, the bladder, can have an excess condition, but the kidneys themselves are always deficient. So it's like a battery. As we age, this battery naturally declines. And so the kidneys control everything, your bones, your marrow, your reproductive system, uh, your brain, all the glands inside your body it's a basis for all the fluids inside your body. Uh, it's a basis for all the heat inside your body. And so there's certain things that will deplete this essence faster. One it's burning the candles at both ends Two, not getting enough sleep. Three too much stress. So like, and, and especially where there's adrenaline dumps. So if you're a police officer, for example, those adrenaline dumps zaps will zap the kidneys, especially if you're having the adrenaline dumps and you're working a night shift. Um, uh, the other things too will obviously be by poor diet or uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, believe it or not, they actually will say uh, too much, uh, too much um, uh, sex actually will uh, create, uh, or too many orgasms yeah. uh, will deplete this this as well too. Um, so yeah, so it all depends on that. So yeah, so having uh, too many orgasms and what's crazy is is that in the clinical textbooks, I think Giovanni's one of the one of the main uh, acupuncture authors. Um, and one of his textbooks, I swear if it said between like age 16 and 20, I think it was like, um, seven or eight orgasms a day was okay. You know, and then obviously if, I don't know if that's really true or not, because I don't know how many people would be able to function in a day, right? So, uh, you know, you wouldn't ever leave the room, but, but if you break down <laughs> boxers, for example, you talk to a lot of uh, professional fighters, uh, they'll tell you that uh, maybe a month beforehand, they won't. For at least you know four weeks beforehand, they won't. Uh, so maybe they don't know it's from um, that, but obviously there's something there's something connected to it. So I remember, so, I remember
2: hearing all about that, reading all about it, and I, I like eight years ago, I ran the half marathon on Long Beach, and like three weeks before, um, or maybe it was nine years ago, I forget. I I literally I was with a, a lady, and I was like, no, sorry, I got to run the marathon in three weeks, so
0: I gotta save my chi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I think that, so the best example I get is the next time you're feeling like a flu bug is coming on and you're getting sick, uh, have a couple orgasms and see if you get sicker. Chances are you will. Chances gotcha. are you will. And uh, because because again, now uh, now, now, the, here's a different physiolo- so physiology because now we're talking about the kidney and lung network and it's communication and our lungs are responsible for our immune health. It's one of the organs responsible and so if this pathogen is already entering into the body and there's already a fight going on between the internal and the external to push the pathogen out, uh, then you have the release. Now you've, now you've weakened its ability to further protect the body. So, um, but yeah, so I think that was a long winded answer to, uh, uh, why sometimes if you do that cheat ball exercise, uh, Mm. why sometimes you feel more and sometimes you, sometimes you don't. So it's, Really, based upon how you're sleeping, what your food was like, um, and um, and then your sensitivity, you know. But the more you practice, though, it should get stronger. And what I tell people too, when they practice qigong, is that let's say you have some really uh, amazing experiences, or maybe I don't know, you get hot or or something, or have certain tingling sensations. I I recommend that people don't um, identify with those sensations because it could actually limit their development. Because sometimes you may feel hot or tingling or see colors or auras, I don't know, whatever. Um, But uh, if you attach yourself to it and all of a sudden it shifts, then you may think, oh, wow, it must not be working anymore. And it's not necessarily that it's not working anymore. It just means that it's gone to a deeper level.
1: Yeah, definitely answers it. Thank you so much. I want to ask you, have you ever um, looked into or heard of Germanic healing knowledge or, or, or German new medicine at all? No, I have not. Yeah, it's just interesting. There's, there's lots of, like, correlations. I mean, initially when we were talking about, for example, the the, the the back dysfunction and stuff like that, and, for example, trauma and conflict being a potential causation of those symptoms, but what if we took that to, to, to what we call might call pathogen or disease, be it flu or whatnot, also as a result of perhaps conflicts and traumas that have happened in the past? And that's kind of what that modality looks, like, looks at. Mm.
0: Hmm. Well, it makes sense because if, okay, so what happened, we had a lot of fear over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Again, going back to the communication between the lungs and the kidney network, uh, if the fear zaps the kidney ch- essence, then there's then you're going automatically weaken uh, uh, the lungs' ability to protect ourselves. And you're going to now start to impair our lymphatic system and, and such as well too. So there's a definite connection between that. So That's why, you know, I would suggest, uh, when we started the Chi, we started the Chi Club during the pandemic. And, um, uh, because, and initially what started it, (laughs) yeah, initially what started it, (laughs) is that my friend here in Hollywood, his name is uh, Eric the Trainer, he's a Hollywood physique expert. And, uh, uh, so, it was because of him, you know, I got to go on tour with Def Leppard and Journey, I was treating them on tour and some fun stuff like that, you know, so, He's an amazing guy. He's a massive Jewish guy with long blonde hair, uh, but he has such a huge heart. He's like He's so charismatic. And um, anyway, so when everything locked down, he, he started this thing called the Sleek Ninja Workout. And so it was on Zoom. You know, It was five days a week. And uh, he gets these different celebrities on there that talk about or, or celebrities or um, athletes or you know, singers, songwriters, whatever, and talking about different things that they're up to during the, during the workouts, right? So anyways, uh, he was doing a seven-day challenge, like the seven-day pillow challenge where he had to be in bed by nine o'clock or the seven-day curfew challenge. He had to stop eating by 7 p.m., right? And so he did the seven-day cheat challenge and it turned out to be such a huge success that uh, we continued it uh, for free, uh, teaching it three days a week. And um, yeah, it really helped people during that some dark times because uh, people that were stuck in that fear place, yeah. or uh, they gave them a tool and then with also a network of people, they're also doing these same practices at the same time that really helped to empower them. And before we, tra- once we saw that things were opening back up again, um, then we started the Chi Club itself. And we didn't realize the impact that it had on so many people from around the world until we transitioned. Because then we started getting all these beautiful emails and letters and donation checks sent to us, thanking us for you know, how it helped them, you know, through the, you know, through this hard time. And, and so we've continued it on. Uh, and, and when, and when I'm teaching the class, you know, it's every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from eight to eight 30 AM. My wife teaches on Monday and Wednesday. I teach on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, when she teaches, she incorporates a little bit of Pilates with the Qigong, uh, for myself, uh, you know, I stick mainly with the Tai Chi or, or the Qigong itself. And, um, but as I'm doing a movement or whatever, I'm reminding m- my audience, this is what this practice is for. Not There's not one practice that I teach in Qigong that's just for relaxation. Relaxation is a by- byproduct. Every single practice that I teach is meant to do something medicinally inside the body, every single one. So I remind people of, okay, well, this is how we tell there's a spleen disharmony, you know, and, um, you know, this is how we tell there's a kidney disharmony or whatever. And, uh, uh, and so what it does is it actually allows people to really, again, self-empowerment, like, Mm -hmm. and even for the people that are very afraid, right. That are, they're on there, you know, again, I always remind people of self-empowerment and I see people on social media that are on the cheat club and I see them posting really negative things, you know? So what I, instead of addressing it to them on their social media platform, I gently say it, bring it up during the cheat club. Like maybe as we want to clear out our own depression what we're putting out there on social media to the world we should be aware of because it has an impact right talking about energy it has an energy ripple right it it affects people and uh, and will resonate with other people that are at that same energetic frequency right so
2: yeah you hit the nail you hit the nail on the head there and i think especially as we we come out of this and who knows what lies ahead on the horizon um but it's like people get, get so caught up in, in, figuring things out spending all this time on the internet and, and sharing all this stuff, all the horrible things that are going on in the world and what may happen and what may come. And it's like, well, what, do, what are you doing to take care of yourself and put yourself in the position to have more peace and more joy in your life? And it doesn't mean stick your head in the sand and be like, la, 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 nothing's all, everything's all good, but it's just like having some intelligence and awareness around it. Like Okay. Do you need to spend five hours on your phone, or like there's some trees outside? Maybe go hug a few of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There's uh, there's so many other things that we can be doing, and uh, and so it's really it's up to it's up to the individual, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know. And we also saw this too, where um, you know people that really lost their faith, uh, you know, whether whatever they're studying Christianity, Catholicism, Hindus, what so many people I had to remind them that I knew had a certain faith that they'd studied. Remember, you have to go back to your faith because if you have true faith then nothing can penetrate that, nothing can. But if you walk away from that, if you walk away from your studies and you walk away from your, your practices and you allow this outside forces to invade you, then you now have weakened yourself. And Mm so, um, you know, and we have a saying in Chinese in Chinese medicine that our thoughts are louder than thunder in heaven. So what we're thinking about, and we talk talked about this in the quantum physics, um, what we're thinking about, we're manifesting or we're drawing into our life at a certain level, right? And so we have to really look at that. So if you're living in fear, you know, my wife and I, we joked around uh, that we were living in a bubble through this whole thing because we still traveled all over the place. I mean, we still lived our life like... Lentily was happening. Now, I was, uh, my clinical practice quadrupled because I was seeing so many sick patients. Um, but like I would tell them, where doctors and physicians were sending their patients home and saying, take it, Advil, don't come in. I was telling my patients, come in. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get sick. You are not going to get me sick. And so, um, and so it's a strong conviction that I have, you know. And so, um, so they would come in. I would not turn them away because if I knew I have a remedy that helped keep them from suffering, or possibly help keep them from dying, I'm going to give them that remedy and I'm going to treat them.
2: But then also I'm
0: going to teach them how to take, take care of themselves too.
2: Exactly. And like you brought up faith and it's like, I have such a deep, deep faith in the intelligence of my own body, you know, and, and, and not, and I don't have a fear of symptoms or fear of disease, you know, just through my own education and the way I live my life. And just like you, my wife and I, I mean, yeah, maybe some little things changed in terms of like something to do with community and, in certain travels, but like, we, nothing changed in our life. You know, we kept doing what we're doing, kept spending time with people, kept bringing people together. And, uh, and again, it comes down to the individual and and where they're at and, and what their belief where their belief systems lie and, uh, and their views of the mind and the body, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's good to be informed as to what's going on, but you look at it from different angles too, right? Don't just look at it from one narrative, look at it from different angles. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times my wife has no idea what's going on in the world, but, um, I kind of want to know, um, because if I see a mushroom cloud in the horizon, I kind of want to be aware that there's possible things going down, you know, but I, the difference would be though, is that I, I don't obsess over it. I don't spend hours on it. I have a limited amount of time that I give myself just to be informed enough to know what's happening, um, or to be aware and that's it, but I don't let it affect me on a cellular level, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's really important not to allow it to affect you at that, at that level.
2: Yeah. I think that's the key too. Cause I'm similar in that regards. Like I like having the knowledge. I like having the knowing, but it's like, is it really going to impact me on, from a really deep nervous system level? You know, and if I feel it even getting close to that, cause I'm spending too much time, I have to do something, you know, I just have to come, come back to center, do a practice, you know, to not like put my phone in, in my drawer or do something or go
1: outside. Yeah, but that's self-awareness and self-knowledge to know when you're getting to that point, when yeah. something needs to shift, you know, as well. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you another another question. Can you please talk about the um, small heavenly cycle or the microcosmic orbit, whatever you, you might want to call it? Um, this is a breathing practice that I've been kind of tampering with and playing with in, in, in my own life, but I'd like to hear it from the master.
0: Okay, so uh, we have 12 major acupuncture vessels in the body. We have what are referred to as eight extraordinary vessels in the body and two of those eight vessels it's called the governing vessel that comes up from the perineum comes up over the top of the head actually ends right here then we have the uh, uh conception channel that comes from uh, around uh, the perineum and then rises up and actually ends underneath the tongue here so these two major reservoirs the philosophy is is that once you obviously energy is running through these two major reservoirs, but the twelve major acupuncture meridians that feed into the twelve regular organs, um, at some point those channels cross over those two major channels. So the theory is, is that once you open up these two vessels by doing the small heaven breathing, also referred to as Jupiter's orbit meditation, um, um, then it's like a reservoir. You fill up the reservoir. Then what happens? then the excess water or energy then fills into the smaller reservoirs, which is uh, the 12 regular acupuncture meridians, which then feeds into their corresponding organs. So from a health standpoint, that's one of the things. The other thing, too, is, is that um, it also stimulates that central nervous system, right? Um, because what we're doing is we're inhaling up the spine, up over the top of the head, exhaling down through the front. Now, the other thing, too, that we purposely do is we mindfully... Uh, Gently place the tip of the tongue on the roof of the mouth behind the teeth as if saying the letter N, lightly squeezing the anal sphincter muscle and relaxing the body. And the reason why for this is that uh, gently squeezing the anal sphincter muscle actually closes the lower gate, by placing the tongue on the roof of the mouth, um, will close the, and connect the upper gate. So, this is a very uh, powerful meditation. Um, it's a simple meditation. Uh, and the microcosmic orbit, they say it takes about, uh, you know, it takes about 90 days to or 100 days to open up uh, these two channels. I know for myself, it took me longer. I didn't feel it, for um, uh, I didn't feel it for the longest time. Um, but suddenly one day, what I did was I felt this energy or this pressure going up my spine, and then I felt something open. And ever since then, now when I place the tip of the tongue uh, to the roof of the mouth behind the teeth, it, my tongue vibrates the pulsation, is a pulsation that happens. And so this channel, when these two channels open, then if you do this practice enough, now this method here of going up the spine and down the front, that's called the fire cycle. The water cycle is when we reverse it and go the opposite direction. And then there's a more complicated cycle called the wind cycle. But the most common method that's taught, taught is called the fire cycle, mm-hmm. which we inhale at the back. But the cool thing is, is that once the energy starts to move, your breath, you'll find, will not keep up with the movement of the chi. The chi will move on its own. So a misconception is is that when I inhale, the hands have to come up, or the chi has to come up. Mm. When I exhale, the hands have to come down, or the qi, or I have to exhale. That's a misconception. That's just a beginners. A beginners uh, uh, when we first teach teaching people qigong, we teach it that way. So in that way, they can help to navigate this uh, uh, their imagination more to connect with the practice, right? um but like master chen Sha wang from our family from the Chen system of taiji from china like he said in a workshop years ago he said well think of a boxer you know a boxer in one breath could through could throw uh five or six punches he's not going (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) so in one one you know you can throw it so the same thing with this too so at first we teach people inhale up the spine exhale you can actually use your hands we call it uh uh, Guang Gong stroking his beard, where we inhale up the back and then exhale down the front. And, um, you know, this practice, like I said, is a very powerful. There's powerful points. You know, this point right here, GV26, governing vessel 26, you know, if somebody passes out um, or becomes unconscious, um, if you massage here gently, you'll bring them back to consciousness just like that. And you don't even have to be some Qigong master or anything like that. Um, likewise, if you hit somebody with a ridge hand here, um, you'll kill them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, um, uh, when I was on tour, Def Leppard, uh, one of the head security guys, this, this guy, uh, he showed me cause his main thing kind of reminds me of like a killer whale. You know how a killer whale will stalk its prey that all of a sudden you'll watch this guy backstage in the, in the crowd and he gets sensed where there's going to be something. And, and like he says, my job, I'm not going to stand there and box somebody. Uh, My job is just to de-escalate the situation as quickly as possible. Um, I I wish I had the picture uh, available uh, on my computer because there's a picture of me where he's holding me against the wall with one finger like this. That's how powerful that point is. So anyway, so the more that you practice this, then what happens is is then it starts to really open you up. And then if you believe in um, cultivating for internal power, and stuff like that let's say you decide to go into internal martial arts or more importantly let's say if you decide to um if you decide to uh, uh uh use these practices for spiritual development this is one simple very simple practice that is used for spiritual development and the more that you do it the more time you spend with it the more that you'll get from the practice then what we have then we could do a smaller orbit from there which would be as energy comes down through the front Uh, We go to the perineum, which is the acupuncture point between the sex glands and the sphincter muscle. Energy inhale up the spine to the Ming Men, which is the uh, acupuncture point between the right and left kidney. Then from there, then the energy goes through the body, um, exits right below the belly button and does a circle. Then you come around. Mm -hmm. So you do a smaller circle through the small area here. Because in some styles of Qigong, uh, we have what are called as the Dong tians. Mm -hmm which uh, the dantians are uh well in this system i teach the lower dantian is your physical one inch below the belly button heart center middle dantian spiritual center third, uh, third eye which are three of the seven chakras but in some systems of qigong um you're positive and negative meaning your your lower dantian and your middle dantian are actually your uh your perineum and your ming men so even doing that small practice of that smaller breathing exercise could actually help, and this is also something that will help for spiritual development, um, uh, tonify the kidneys. Um, it's also another practice that somebody could do. Uh, for example, if a man is practicing celibacy uh, for religious or spiritual reasons, uh, it's important to keep on moving that energy. It's a great practice to keep on moving that chi. Um, so going back to too many ejaculations what happens is is that um uh was that Christmas? He said he <laughs> if you have uh, <laughs> they people will purposely conserve it conserve the energy so if somebody is conserving their they're not having sex uh to serve god or whatever spiritual development they have to know why and they have to know how to move the energy yeah. Because otherwise, we start to see higher rates, especially in men of prostate cancer, uh, testicular cancer, those types of things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, was- there's so much tension and repression that's held in that in that lower region of, of so many people as well. So I think um, being able to mobilize that energy is a powerful practice for sure. And I want to clarify one thing. So you know with the tongue on the, on the roof of the mouth, mm-hmm. so this closes the gate, right? But... Is it because in other practices and modalities, it's often recommended that you don't have your tongue on the, on the roof of your mouth because this can create tension. Is that, can you talk on that at all? or
0: Okay, yep. so there's different, yes, there's different modalities. There's different types of breathing techniques, for example. Yeah. And um, I'll give you an example. When I was fighting with Kung Lee's fight team, Coach Kung, when I was preparing for a fight, he wanted me to get on the, we would do high altitude training. Um, and I don't know if you've ever done the high altitude training, but when you sprint, um, it's not that bad. It's when you back off that he feels like you're drowning. So one other way that he would do the, what we would do is he would have a sprint on the elliptical. I forgot what the setting is. Have a sprint um, for 30 seconds, do this for 15 minutes. Sprint for 30 seconds. And then back off shadow box, still moving the feet shadow box shadow box. The whole time you have water in your mouth. Wow! You know how hard that is to do that. Wow! And and the first time I tried doing it, I was single at the time, and there's a cute girl, and I got on the elliptical next to her. I got to minute number seven, I spewed water <laughs> all over the freaking thing, and she took off like she's like, "Who's this bozo?" I'm like <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why coach Kung would do that is because you only have one minute to recover between rounds. You actually can regulate your chief better, better by breathing through the nose, inhaling, exhaling through the nose. That's why you'd, and there's tribes in Africa where the kids will practice running sprinting for miles with water in their mouth. Yeah. And they're fast, fast. So there are different breathing techniques, but in this specific meditation, you know, um, And generally speaking, for most Qigong uh, practices, the the breath is through the nose because we can regulate the flow of qi better when we breathe through the nose. Yeah.
2: Well, there's other practices, yeah, that do that as well. I mean, even just the saying, like, you breathe through the nose, you eat through the mouth. Like, that's it. That's what the nose is meant for. It's for breathing. And and people who, like, tape their mouth at night, like, because they're mouth Mm -hmm. breathers, so they tape their mouth to, like, condition themselves to breathe through the nose. Uh, And I know people that do that as well. I mean, I've done
0: Yeah. 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 So. Uh, so like I said, so Coach, Coach Kung would have us uh, do this technique and um, and it, it takes a little bit of conditioning to do it, obviously, um, but it's very powerful, especially if you're doing anything um, that requires endurance.
1: Awesome, man. All right, Chris, final question.
0: Okay. What is the
1: single most important lesson you've ever learned in your life?
0: Wow. Um, I would say the single most important lesson is is that don't take life too seriously. Because, um, and you have to laugh a lot because, you know, um, shit happens. And the Taoists Taoists say the difference between the Taoists and the Buddhists is the Buddhists, they say a lot of times will uh, cultivate themselves in the mountains, right? And live a simple, plain life to cultivate their spiritual development. The true Taoists say, no, Um, yes, every once in a while, go away to cultivate yourself. But no, stay amongst society be a part of society so that way you can give back, but also so that way you can learn. Because a true sage doesn't become a sage by reading a book. A true sage becomes a sage through suffering. And it's now how you suffer and how you handle that suffering that um, will enlighten you or not. But laughter, I would think, uh, I think is the one thing. is not to take yourself too seriously, uh, to be kind to yourself. And things are going to happen. This is part of the journey. And, uh, and we're meant to grow from it. And, and, you know, the word sin, for example, I think is an over, overused term. And to me, what it means is to miss the mark. We all miss the mark. And sometimes that affects just us. Sometimes it affects us one day. Maybe it'll affect us a lifetime. Or sometimes it'll affect the people around us. And sometimes it'll affect nations. The whole idea is that when you miss the mark, is just to try to get back on track. That's the that's the whole idea here. So don't take yourself too seriously. Don't things things are going to happen, and um, and laugh a lot. Laugh laugh off a lot of things that come your way because uh, laughter is really the key for for healing. And uh, I know there's some practices that say to do seven belly laughs every single day. You know, and there's something to that when we talk about longevity so i would say that's my biggest and i've had a hard life uh, i don't know if you know but they they just shot a short film about me um uh that will be coming out It will be hitting the burbank film festival first in september and then hitting all the other film festivals and um you know uh, i've i've had a lot of shit but also too i realize that i create a lot of my own shit too right um you know that johnny cash song walk the line that's definitely me because uh um, I could definitely be on this side of the fence and boy, it was like a bright a bright light, like, oh, squirrel, I should go that way. So, so anyway, so I know that I've created a lot of my own suffering. So I've learned in the process to just be able to sit back, smile at it and not get too attached.
1: Beautiful, man. Thanks, man. Thank you so much yeah, for
2: sharing. Really, yeah, I yeah, really appreciate you. Really appreciate you coming on. Real quickly, just <clears throat> we'll have we'll have links in the show notes, but like anything you have going on besides the film, uh website that you want to share with uh, our listeners yeah.
1: and 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 also if how can someone begin their their that gong journey but what what, what would your recommendations be as well Great.
0: well i would recommend joining our chi club it's monday through thursday yeah. um from 8 to 8:30 in the morning and you go to the chi club.com and you can spell it either way qi-u-n-g or c h i and um, even if you can't join us live you have the recordings for for a week um and so you always have access um if you're t- uh, it's really inexpensive. I forget, like, I think it's like $30 a month or something like that. Um, but um, but also, I, my YouTube page is Chris Shelton Qigong. Uh, in fact, all my handles for TikTok or for Instagram and, and stuff like that. But on the YouTube page for Chris Shelton Qigong, <clears throat> now we have the 30 days of Qigong on there. So it's like you're taking 30 weeks with me. Um, at my studio in San Jose. So each day I talk about the practice, why you're doing according to Chinese medicine, each day builds on top of the practice. Uh, my book, Qigong for Self-Refinement, Total Health with the Five Elements, uh, is a great way to introduce yourself to these practices. And what's funny is, is that that book also corresponds with that YouTube page. And I'm gently, softly introducing people to the concepts of classical Chinese medicine uh, while teaching, describing the practices and, and their benefits. So you know, those, the YouTube page, uh, joining the Qi club. And then also we have a teacher training program. So if there's anybody out there, uh, because Qigong is on the rise, uh, still there's a lot of people that don't know about it. So I really appreciate you guys having me on your show to talk about this because a lot of people don't know about it. Um, and, um, but, uh, uh so we do have a teacher training program, uh, and level one, there's two levels. Level one is 13 weeks, level two is 17 weeks. And I'd recommend if you're somebody that wants to, and it, okay, so if you're somebody that just wants to dive deep, like like Chris, I'm tired of these hardships and the suffering over and over again. What can I do pretty quickly? Well, that level one because it's called a teacher training program. But what we found is is that a lot of people take the class for their own personal development. That's because it's going to force you. It's going to force you to work on your stuff. There's no way around it. And so we call it the most comprehensive teacher training program out there because. I'm not teaching you this stuff for some kind of woo-woo fantasy or whatever. Um, I'm not teaching you this stuff just because it feels good. I'm teaching you this stuff so that way you become the, can become empowered to take care of your health and then share this with with other people around you. So, yeah. And like I said, my second book will be coming out this year. Um, mm-hmm. I was just in a movie with Billy Blanks um, the, uh, that should be released on Netflix this year uh, where I kind of play a cross between Yoda and Mr. Miyagi. So uh, I get to drop some wisdom there. Uh, So what's cool is, is that there's all these little things that are happening. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff was handed to me. But um, there's all these little things that are happening that are starting to increase the awareness of these internal arts and just the power of these internal arts.
1: Chris, man, so inspiring! This conversation has definitely reignited, um, I guess, my own my own journey with Vichy Gong, and I'm definitely going to look in, look deeper into what what you're offering myself for sure. I uh, highly recommend anyone who else is listening to this and feels inspired to do the same. So much wisdom! Um, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for being here for the truth.
0: Yeah, thank you. Th- once again, thanks for uh, promoting these uh, these ancient arts, and uh, yeah, and also promoting the truth as well too. We need. More people like you to spread the word of, of what's really going on out there in the world. And also, what, what can we do to help to empower and uplift the world?
1: Absolutely, man. That. And guys, thank you for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. Take care. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean.
0: Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusion. 450 BC, I'm sharing, see we can...